for those of you that are too, uh, are not, are no longer young enough to go to church, church, and I get to open your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Matthew. Turn with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 24. And if you haven't caught the theme of this morning yet, our theme really is on this idea of anticipating the coming of Christ. That there is a hope that should fill us and excite us and, you know, like a, being like a little kid when, you know, when you wake up on Christmas morning and you go flying down the stairs. And if you're like me and my siblings, we would wake up at 4.30, you know, and we would rush into the living room and we would see all the presents of the church. We'd be so excited to open them. But then we have to go wait mom and dad at first. And they were not nearly as excited as me. But there's other things in our life that we get excited about. And I think one of the most exciting things I remember is when I had made the decision, I am going to propose to Nicole. I'm going to ask her to be my wife. Right? And then I can't speak on behalf of the ladies here because I've never been a lady. But guys, and those of you who have proposed and been through that process before, you know, kind of you kind of already are expecting what the answer is going to be, right? It's not really that that crazy of a question for us to ask because we've been building this relationship with with, with this girl we've been dating and, and who's a part of our lives. So we kind of already are aware and know what the answer is going to be, but there's still that anticipation, right? Now, and if you're like me, you've already talked to her dad and got permission. Now all that's left is the excitement of asking him. And I remember I had this big drawn out plan. Like, Nicole was living in Colorado in a little town called Lumen Springs. And uh, the first time I had visited her, it was on a road trip with me and my buddies. We drove in my little Oldsmobile from Indianapolis, Indiana, all the way out to the western slope of Colorado. And we left in October. We were wearing shorts and t-shirts and didn't anticipate getting snow over the pass down into the, into the Linwood. Um, but when I met her the first time, we, we went hiking, and she took me on this trail called the, um, does, does any of you watch old westerns and recognize the name Doc Holliday? Well, Vinland Springs, there's a trail to where it leads you to where his grave is. Now, there was a big fire on the mountain, and all the grave markers got burned, so no one really knows exactly where it's at, but they know he's buried somewhere in the graveyard. Me, like, in history and stuff, I was like, this is cool. Let's go hiking in the graveyard. Well, fast forward to the weekend of, of, of April, uh, my birthday weekend, April 16th, 2012, and I'm planning to propose, and I have this master plan. I'm going to take her on a hike to this graveyard and propose there. It's going to be a book to your wife in the graveyard. Well, I had this great line all figured out, right? It was, what was it? Uh, there's only two things I'm certain of in this life. One is that, or there's three things. One is death. I'm going to die someday. Two is taxes, I'm gonna have to pay taxes to the government. And three, that I love you for the rest of my life. That was good. I had that line all worked out in my mind, that was the plan. You know, I flew on an airplane from Indianapolis to the Grand Junction. I remember the, the flight, it was like you're on a roller coaster. The turbulence was so bad, you're like this little single, you know, seat on each side airplane. You hit turbulence and it dropped like a couple thousand feet and you flew out of your seat and it was exciting. You know, and I get in the car, I go to her house, and, and, and now the plan is playing out. I'm getting ready to propose. But she's living as a nanny, and she lives with her boss. And so that morning, her boss had decided to take us all out to breakfast. 
And I thought, oh, well, I'll have time to go back to the house, get the ring, and get set up for what I want to do. That is not how it worked out. That is not how it worked out. He's like, oh, you guys want to go to the Glenwood Springs because he lived a little outside of Glenwood. Um, I'll just drop you off. I'm like, no, you can't do that. You can't just drop us off at Glenwood. Well, why not? You just can't. And this back and forth ensues. And finally, he begins to put the pieces together. And Nicole, she's put the pieces together. And so she has to convince her boss to drive me back to his house so I can get the ring to propose to her. So my entire element of surprise is gone. This moment I've been anticipating is, is completely derailed. Right? So I, I recognize that, you know what, I, she knows I'm getting ready to pop the question. Everybody else knows that don't, I, I don't have the element of total surprise anymore. The only thing that I can control is when it happens. And so as a, so she goes upstairs to do a few things. I go to my bag, get the ring out, and right there in her boss's kitchen, spur of the moment, I going to pop the question. And you know, thankfully she said yes, and here we are seven years later. Um, we're talking to you, three kids, and all the little things that, that God is doing. But again, I look at that story, I look back at that anticipation of asking the question, that, that, that hope in that moment. And then waiting for that response to hear her say yes. And how beautiful that was, and how important it was. And so that kind of same anticipation, we look to, to the return of Christ. That's that same hope that wells up inside of us. Um, our, our church of Nazarene, we believe that Jesus is coming back. This is, this is the statement taken directly from our articles of faith. It's written by some theologian somewhere, and it's really, really long. I'm going to read to you. It says, We believe that the Lord Jesus Christ will come again, that we who are alive at his coming shall not perceive them that are asleep in Christ Jesus, but that if we are abiding in him, we shall be caught up with the risen saints to meet the Lord in the air, so that we shall ever be with the Lord. So in short, what, the, what our church believes, what all Christendom believes is that the same Jesus that came and was born in the manger, we believe that he's coming back again. And we are living our lives in anticipation and full of hope for when that day happens. It's not a day for us to be afraid because we know where we stand before God. We know our lives are right before him. We know that we are busy about doing the kingdom works of God. When he finds us, we have that he is taking us away from all this brokenness, all this hurt. And he's making all things new. It is a day of hope for us. A day of excitement. And so as we look at our text today, we're going to be studying a passage that talks about when Jesus is coming back. And the title of the sermon this morning is The Unexpected Hour. And the question we're going to be looking at and trying to answer as we study this passage is that age-old question, well, we know Jesus is coming back. When is he coming back? When's it going to happen? Let's face it, you know, when you leave and go to the store, what is it that the person asks you when you come back? How long are you going to be gone? And that's the question we're asking Jesus. When is he coming back? So Matthew chapter 24, verse, we're going to read verses 36 through 44. And it says, No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven or the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the day of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. 
For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day that in, up to the day no one entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a handle. One will be taken and the other left. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let, let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So what this text is telling us is what we believe as Christians, what we believe as the church of the Nazarene. It tells us that Jesus is coming back. These very words are coming from the mouth of Jesus himself. I am coming back. In verse 36 it says, No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. The hour at which Jesus is coming, the answer to the question of when is Jesus coming back is, no one knows. Except for God. You know, we know for a fact, we can, we can, we can put it in the bank, we can, we can write a, 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 a law on it, and know for certain that Jesus is indeed coming back again, but we have no clue what's going to happen. People have tried to figure it out. People have made claims that he's coming back again. They've even set the day and the time. But here we are. Still in the era of hope and anticipation. It's happening at an unknown hour. And then Jesus goes on to talk about the, the days of Noah. And he, he says that, you know, the people went on living their lives like they, they knew nothing was happening. But think about this. Noah is building a giant boat in the middle of the desert. Do you think they would have noticed that? Now, in fact, Scripture even tells us that as they, they go to Noah, they start making fun of him. What are you doing? They didn't know, but they weren't paying attention to the signs, were they? God actually told them, hey, something bad's about to happen. But they weren't paying no attention. And what was the wicked things that they were doing in the day of Noah? What were, what were the bad things that were distracting them and keeping them from seeing what was about to happen in their lives and all around them? They were eating. They were drinking. They were marrying and giving marriage. They were living life. There is not one thing listed in that verse that was wrong. There's not one thing listed in that section of things that they were doing in the days of Noah that is sinful. They were simply living their lives. But they were living it in such a way that that was the only thing they were paying attention to. 
The only thing that they focused on as they were going about living was what they were going to eat, what they were drinking, who were they going to marry, and who was going to marry their children. That was it. They were distracted by the wickedness of the world. They were, they were running after the, the you know, the, the, the false idols. No, they were simply distracted by living life every day. And they missed the fact that this man's in the middle of the desert building a giant boat. They missed the fact that God said, hey, something bad's going to happen. And Jesus goes on to say, so it will be with the Son of Man. And he comes back again. And what Jesus is trying to get his disciples to understand is while the hour is not, while, while no one knows the hour, The hour when it happens, that moment, that twinkling of an eye when Jesus comes back again, it's going to interrupt business as usual. Just like the flood did. Those people are simply going about living their lives and doing the things that they'd always done and pursuing the things that they'd always done. And that's how the Son of Man is going to happen when he returns. We're all going to be going about doing the things that we always do. When that hour strikes and Jesus comes again, it's going to interrupt everything. Completely shake up your routine. So what does Jesus tell us to do about this unknown hour? Verses 42 through 44. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come in an hour that you do not expect it. So what Jesus is saying is this, when he says keep watch, those words keep watch literally means... Stay awake. Don't go to sleep. Don't get so wrapped up in living your life and doing your routine and going through the motions of living that you fall asleep to it. He's saying be alert, be ready. And when he's talking about being, staying awake and being alert and being ready, it's not a, well, I've got my house all cleaned up, I've got the dishes put away, got my suitcase packed, cars all cast up, ready to go. No, this is this is a military ready. It's a uh, Donald Lawrence is a, he, Donald Lawrence will remember this. When you go in the military, you do what's called ready up drills. For when you go outside in the in the wire, outside of the safety of the base and into the work into the, that war zone, you, you learn to uh, to have your weapon drawn up and ready to go at a moment's notice. And the second you step through, you're ready, you're alert. And if you need to, you're, you're going to pull that up. You know how many times you do that ready-up drill? You do it thousands of times. I, I, I still think there are moments at night where I wake up and I'm standing next to my bed doing the ready-up drill. <clears throat> That's the kind of ready that we're to be. We're to stay awake and be alert to this. And Jesus goes on and he tells that parable of a thief. Right? He says, if the, if the master of the house knew a thief was coming, he would make himself ready for it so his house didn't get robbed. 
And this goes beyond just simply the, the master of the house going in and making sure all the doors were locked and all the shades were drawn and all the windows boarded up so the bad guy couldn't get in. No, he, not only is he going to do all that, take all the necessary precautions, but he's going to stay away and keep alert in case he has to defend what's his. Jesus is telling us, we don't know when he's coming back. We know he's coming back again. We don't know when it's going to happen, but we should be watching and ready for that moment. But being ready for that moment is being ready by pursuing God in this life. It's living your life in pursuit of him. And pursue the same God that loved you recklessly enough to, to give up everything in heaven, to take up human form and go and die on the cross for you. And that was what God's calling us to. That's what it means to be ready. And as we're going and doing the things of God, as we're striving to know Him more and, and make our hearts right with our God, Present our hearts before him so he can make them right and pure and holy. We are hopeful. Because we know that you know, while we're going through the process of, of being made holy here, that in that twinkling of an eye, when he calls us to himself in that moment, we will be made perfect. Inside and out. And we'll be with the crew. Alright, so normally we go through this and then we, then we answer the question. Right? And the question today is, when is Jesus coming back? And, and if you haven't figured it out already, we've already answered it. The answer to the question of when is Jesus coming back is we don't know. Exactly. When God says it's time. And I, I'll be honest, I sat there for a good period of time last night pondering this because, again, you think about the Trinity. Jesus is God himself in the flesh. And Jesus says, only the Father in heaven knows. Wrap your mind around that one. I believe I read enough commentaries last night. They all tried to explain it in their different way. And none of one of them made any sense. And I had to leave that mystery alone. Because we'd be here all day. Trying to sort through it. But the, notice it says, not even the Son of Man knows the hour. Jesus himself does not know the hour when he's coming back. My question then is, you know, we were against answer when is Jesus coming back, and, and the answer is, he, we, we know he's coming back, but, 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 but the wind is one day, one hour, one unexpected moment, Jesus is coming back again. That's the answer to the question. My, the one I want to figure out is, why do we spend so much time trying to figure it out? If Jesus himself doesn't know, then who are we to think that God's going to reveal this mystery to us? Matter of fact, there's a whole book series out there called, you know, you probably, you probably watched the movies called Left Behind. You know, who's read Left Behind? Watch the movies. And it's a great story. But I want you to understand something. Left 
behind is not the book of Revelation. It's a fictional story that a guy wrote to try and help us understand and wrestle with those mysteries, but, but it is not scripture. Even the guy that eventually we sat down, I don't even know the guy's name, and talked down, talked to the guy who wrote the Left Behind series, he would tell us, I don't know what he's going to I don't know how it's going to happen. This is just what I thought. This is, it, it, it wasn't that he was wrong for writing it, he wrote it because why? Because it gets people thinking about it. Get some asking, like, are you ready for the judgment day? Are you ready for that hour when Jesus comes? Are you full of hope when that day comes? But it was never meant to replace or answer the question when he's coming back. The other question I find myself asking as I, as I read, read this is, it wasn't, when is Jesus coming back? And it wasn't, why are we trying to figure it out so much? The next question I ask is, well, what's it mean for us to be ready? What does it mean for us to be ready for when Jesus comes back? What is it he's looking for when he returns? And I, and I think the answer lies in Jesus' own words. He tells us. He tells us the parable of the, the, of the, uh, the talents. Right? The master's going away for a little while. And he takes his talents, which is money, and he, he divides them up among three of his servants, right? And to one he gives ten, to one he gives, I think it was, maybe it was five. To one he gives five, to another he gives three, and to the other one he gives one. Right? And he goes away for a little while, and then he comes back, and the first servant that got the five talents comes to him and says, Hey, look, master, I took the five talents that you gave me, and I turned it into ten. And remember the master prays and says, oh, great job, my wonderful servant. Good job. Well done, sir. Second servant comes in, and he's carrying with them the talents that was given to plus more. He's like, look, master, I have three, and I turned them in six. And the master's like, good job, sir. Well done. Good job. Remember the last one? comes into the room and he says, Master, you gave me one. And I knew you were a hard man. And I was afraid of what would happen if I lost the, the one talent, that one little bit of money you gave me, so I took it and I went and buried it and made sure I kept it safe. What does the Master say to him? You wicked, lazy servant. He takes the talent away from the one guy who only had one and gave it to the guy that had ten. In that parable, Jesus is telling us what it means to be ready for when he comes again. That unexpected hour, this is how we keep watch for it. Jesus is telling us that the way to be ready, the way to be, to be, be keeping watch and, and, and full, for that unexpected moment when he returns is to focus on what he's called us to do. chapter 28, verse 19. Go make disciples of all nations. Baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I want to point something out to you when Jesus makes that command that, 
That go make disciples. You see, sometimes we can see that word go, we think that means we have to go overseas somewhere, or go to the dark places of the world, or go to the inner city. But you realize that's not what he's saying there. Yes, we're to take the message to those areas. But that word in the original language, that word go means as you are going. As you are going, living about your life. As you are doing the mundane routine of your life and going through the motions of the things that you need to do, as you are living, go and make disciples of all nations. That is the mission of the church. We're a people full of hope. You know why? You know why we're full of hope and so excited about the day when Jesus returns? It's because we were broken and lost, messed up, so far away from the fold of God that one day He found us, He came to us, and He rescued us. And it changed our lives forever. It's like one of my favorite songs. And one of the reasons why I don't enter into the worship band is you guys will never play my style of worship here. My favorite worship band is called Red. They're really loud, they're really drummy. But one of my favorite songs is called by it's called Forever. And in that song it says, You came when I sobered. You came when the game, when I knew that the game was over. I didn't even want to be found. But you came and turned me around. That's why we're full of hope. Because at one time we were lost, but now somehow Jesus has found us and made us clean and welcomed us at his table. And, and, that, and he's promised us that no matter how bad this world gets, no matter how far away from God it runs, that one day he's coming back again and he's going to pull us away from this mess and make all things new. And that is the hope we have. That's the hope that transformed us. Then it just makes sense if we recognize and truly understand that the hope that is given to us, that we would want to share with those who do not know. You see, when it talks about keeping a watch on, we have, we have to understand this parable that Jesus tells with the thief coming in. It's not telling us to shut ourselves up in the church, pour the windows, go build communes, and hide from the world. I know Jesus says, do not be of the world, but he does say, be in the world. Hello? Be in the world and not of the world. Why? Because the, the world around us needs to hear this message of hope that we have. Because while it's a day of hope and transformation for us, it's not that day for them. For those outside the fold of God, I mean, that unexpected hour comes, we know it. That's it. There's no second chances from there. There's no turning back at that moment. And we know a God that loves us and is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to the right relationship with Him. So the focus of all us, church, the focus of our lives should be loving God, but at the same time, if you want to love God, you have to love others. The mission of the church is not to keep itself safe and secure from all the things around it. No, the mission of the church is to go out into the world, into the brokenness, into the darkness, taking the light of Christ, because this is the hope that this world needs. That's what it means to keep watch. That's what it means to be at the ready. 
It means that when the master comes back and, and, and finds us, that we, we are going about taking the, the message that he's given us, giving us the most precious treasure, the treasure of heaven, the, the treasure that is God himself, and giving it to those who need it. I was at the Ministers of Nature retreat not that long ago. We had the privilege of hearing Dr. Bob Rothbard as the speaker. He's the director of all of the USA Canada region, the Church of Nazareth. And he told a story in one of his messages, and, and he had gone to his as a grandchild soccer game. And he may have gone to a global soccer game before. And they had so many kids on the team that they had to take turns playing the quarters. Of, I don't know how soccer works. I, my, my, my first strategy in soccer was stand next to the next neck and the net and try and make sure the ball went in. That was it. Um, but whatever it is, they, they had to rotate. You know, they had so many players in the team that they had to rotate when the kids got to play. Right? So one of the kids got to play from one quarter, and then they took them out, put the whole next group of the kids in, right? Well, as he's watching, his very, you know, his very play this morning, he's on, on the, off the field, supposed to be watching the game and paying attention to what's going on. But he looks and he knows that his grandson and, and, and his friends, they're chasing a butterfly on the sideline. They're all trying to catch it. Church, you know that sometimes? We're supposed to be paying attention to the game, to the mission. But we see the butterfly going by, we notice how pretty it is, and we just want to catch it and grab a hold of it and play with it for a while. So we take our eyes off the game and we go chasing the butterfly. Church, I'm here to tell you today, anything that distracts us from the mission of going and making disciples of all nations is a butterfly. That is not worth our time chasing after We lose our focus. We stop chasing the one thing that matters. The only stat that really Jesus cares about, the only number that's important to him, how many people are being saved? How many people come to know him? transformed by finding the new message of hope. Because that's the only one that matters. It's not when is he coming back again. It's not how it's going to happen. It's he's going to have it. Believe me, there's all kinds of theories out there about how Jesus is coming back. There's, there's those that believe that he's going to come before the, before the great tribulation. He's going to risk rescue the saints and take us all away. And we get to skip that part. There's those that believe that, what, that Jesus is going to come back in the middle of the great tribulation. It's going to get bad. He's going to rescue us before it gets really bad. There's some that believe that the tribulation is going to happen. And then Jesus is going to come get us and he's going to sift the wheat from the chaff. That doesn't matter. I don't care if you preach in mid-trip or post-trip. I don't care if you have to drive in the morning at McDonald's. The only thing that matters to me is that you know Jesus is coming back and that Jesus called you to a mission. And that mission is to make disciples of all nations. All those other things are the butterflies. Butterflies are things like things. 
trying to have all the right materials, the latent scatters, keeping up with the churches down the street. That's a butterfly. Even our families can become a butterfly. Church, the question for us this morning isn't when Jesus is coming back. It's not, not how it's going to happen. The question is, what is your focus right now? What are you focused on? <coughs> what distractions do you need to remove from your life? What is it that's taking your eyes off of the mission that God has called you to? What is it that's taking your eyes off of that, that hopeful anticipation that we have? What do you need to add to your life to regain your focus? We're going to close your eyes and bow our heads. Go by to look at you. This morning we've been talking about the message of hope. If you're here this morning, that when I talk about that, that the second coming of Jesus, what feelings pop up inside of you? I'm here to tell you this morning, if church, if you're the person in the pew and friend, that, that if you're feeling fear in your life of that day, that means that there's something not right between you and God. Because that day should fill you with hope. That's you this morning. You say, Jason, I need, to, I need to fill that hope in my life. Just raise your hand and say, Jason, I need that this morning. Pray for me. Amen. Maybe you're here this morning and maybe there's things that, that are like a butterfly that are distracting your attention from what's important. And you need the Holy Spirit to help you regain your focus this year, this Advent. To help you focus on the hope of Christ and what it means to you and to the world. That's you this morning. You need the Holy Spirit to help you refocus your treasure. And so I love pray for you. Amen. Someplace else, someplace warm, someplace safe. 
So they could focus on the game again. As we close this morning, we're going to close a little different. I'm going to ask Amy if she would come back. We're going to stand and sing a song again. This is an old hymn of the church. Old Christmas song. But as we sing it, maybe you need to come talk to God today. Maybe you want to come towards this altar and, and, and have the, the fellowship of believers come and pray with you. There's time for that. But as we sing this closing song, I don't want us to sing it like we're going to a funeral march. I don't want us to sing it like it's the, that, oh no, Jesus is coming back, I'm not ready. No, I want us to sing it as the church hopeful and triumphant. And this song is called, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. Because let's face it, that's what we long for the most. That's what the longing, that's the longing in our hearts, that's what our soul is craving. It's Jesus. So when we stand and sing that together, and if, if God's talking to you, we need to come pray. Come pray.
as we sing this last verse, if you're willing to come and pray for the church, please come and do it.
And Lord, you know we are looking to that day. Oh, we are excited. There's no fear here, God. There's no holding back. There's no concern that we might miss it, God, because we know your word is faithful. We know that it promises us that if we're obedient and seek after you, you, you will call us to meet you in the air. Until that time, God, comes, God, give us strength for the day ahead. Give us might so we can hold up that shield of faith. Give us might so we can wield that weapon of truth, God. And may we be instruments that pierce the darkness for your kingdom's sake. Oh, God, we celebrate you this advent. Oh, we expect to see you continue to move and work in our lives. Amen. Stuff on. Good job.